Hello and welcome to the Stuck Brain Podcast. All things mental health with a different approach. We look at the research, but we also discuss real life experience. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Stuck Brain Podcast. I am your host, Eric Osterland, and in this episode, I have a co-host named Pinky. She is a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. If you want to know more about her, you can go to the stuckbrainpodcast.com. Today, we have a great episode for you about how psychiatry is changing. In this episode, we talk about ketamine and other psychedelics. Like all medications, ketamine and psychedelics have their pros and cons. Please do your research. Please make an informed decision before you try any of these medications. Do not try any of these medications without the consent of a medical provider. Once again, this is not medical advice. This is our opinion of how psychiatry is changing. Okay, on to the episode. Hello, and welcome to today's episode about how psychiatry is changing. Psychiatry has been pretty much the same for several decades now. And a lot of clinicians and patients are saying that psychiatry is kind of going through a renaissance and there's some new changes coming soon. What do you think? I agree. Our model right now is somebody comes in with anxiety and depression. We prescribe them an SSRI or SNRI. And I have to be honest, I know people are going to freak out about this, but a lot of it is guesswork with the SSRIs. I mean, there's ways we say this medication isn't for the person. Like if they had seizures, I wouldn't prescribe them Wellbutrin. If they're pregnant, I wouldn't prescribe them certain SSRIs. But a lot of it is, well, let's try this med. Okay, that didn't work. Let's now try this med. And I feel like that method is starting to change. What about you? I think psychiatry is starting to change, especially with the introduction of psychedelics. Most recently, ketamine and then coming up around the horizon, MDMA and psilocybin. There is promising research for these medications and improving mental health and various diagnoses from depression to anxiety and especially PTSD. How do you feel about psychedelics? I used to prescribe the traditional SSRIs and SNRI, and I didn't really enjoy it because I felt like I was just throwing stuff at the wall and see which one sticks. And usually, and we talked about this in other podcasts, it just covered up the symptoms of anxiety and depression, which bothered me. That's why I like the idea of psychedelics. We use ketamine right now to treat clients and we set up a good set and setting around the client, which seems to push them into a mystical experience. And they can sometimes have insights where they can work on the problem and not just the side effects or symptoms of that problem. And I'll give you an example. I had a client that came into me because she was feeling anxious all the time. She was always feeling like the other foot was going to drop. And she was on an SSRI and she was on a benzodiazepine as needed for when she would get anxious. But those two medications just seemed to cover up the symptoms of it. So she did a ketamine session and she felt this ball of fire in her gut that rushed up to her face. And she said it was pretty intense. But then the next couple of days, she got to process that experience. And what she realized is back in her early 30s, and she was staying at a hotel and that hotel caught fire and she was stuck out on the balcony. She couldn't touch the door handle because it was super hot. She thought she was going to basically die. And a firefighter came in. They had to break down the door. She had to crawl on her belly out. I mean, it was near death experience. 
And she said that next year, she was very anxious, couldn't get on flights, had all these symptoms. And she was just given, I think, Zoloft and Clonopin right. to help deal with it. And that was it, covered up the symptoms of it. She had totally forgot about that experience. And with the ketamine experience, it re-brought it back up, but in a positive manner. Now she could look at it. She was like, oh man, I need to process this. This is what's contributing to my anxiety and depression, this feeling of being stuck in the fire. So a regular medication wouldn't have done that. And so I'm hopeful of this new change. Thank you for sharing that. I think that really illustrates really well how traditional psychiatric medications are different from psychedelics. Like you said earlier, SSRIs tend to be a Band-Aid or mask or even mute symptoms. So over my years of practice, I recall so many of my clients saying that they no longer feel anxious or sad, but they don't feel happy either. Like all of their emotions were kind of muted and they weren't really able to experience their feelings and emotions. And I think psychedelics kind of do the opposite. They bring those emotions up to surface and help you look at it from a different perspective, from a non-judgmental perspective, where you're more likely to embrace and accept what you're feeling and process and move through it. And I think this is a much better approach to mental health than SSRIs and other medications like it have been. I'm not saying that SSRIs don't have their place. I'm just saying that maybe there's option A and then there's option B. Right now, we tend to say SSRIs first and then try ketamine second. And maybe that paradigm needs to change. Maybe we need to say, hey, try ketamine with a psychedelic approach. And the approach is you need to have therapy in there because you need to be able to process it. It could be a therapist. It could be a coach. It could be a spiritual leader. That's up to you and the person, I believe. But you need that component of that. Maybe try that first to get through what you're going through, the existential crisis or I lost my job and I'm anxious about this. Maybe that might be the way to go. And then if ketamine doesn't work or a psychedelic doesn't work, then maybe add an SSRI down the road. I'm not saying SSRIs are wrong, evil. Please, nobody think that. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think that's a great treatment approach in, you know, trying psychedelics first if you're an appropriate candidate. Eric, could you share with our audience why you think a psychedelic treatment approach should be first versus an SSRI? That's a really great question. I'm glad you asked that. So SSRIs, they take a while. So they take at least six weeks to take effect. Some people get side effects like weight gain, inability to have an orgasm, sometimes impotence. So it affects weight and your sex drive, which doesn't really help with being depressed. That would make us more depressed. And it takes six weeks. And then if it doesn't work, then you have to change or add another one to it. And like you said earlier, a lot of people feel muted or numb. Like I felt like I was a walking zombie. Yeah, I wasn't anxious, but I wasn't happy either. What's the point of that kind of thing? Where ketamine, and not everybody's a candidate for ketamine. I wouldn't have a psychotic individual use ketamine, paranoid personalities. Ketamine's not a panacea. It's not for everybody. I do not want to paint that picture that it's the magic treatment because it's not. But the idea that you would do ketamine, you do six to eight treatments. You usually don't have any side effects, no weight gain, no loss in sex drive. You might get nausea. There's medication for that. 
And it would just be specific to that time when you take the ketamine. That's kind of why I think maybe ketamine should come first. Okay. And I tend to agree. I think any practice or treatment approach that has you exploring your feelings and moving through the process is definitely a healthier approach than being muted and not being able to experience those feelings. Feelings aren't the enemy. We don't want to go through life having no feelings because it doesn't do anybody any good. It's learning how to tolerate the negative feelings and move through them and what they're telling you. Sometimes they might be telling you something important, like I'm anxious and I'm in a relationship. Maybe it's your anxiety is telling you, hey, this relationship isn't appropriate. And I mean, I've had another client story. I had a surgeon that this individual was commuting pretty far to do surgery, was feeling anxious and depressed and kind of like, why am I doing this? She reached out. We did ketamine treatments to get her through anxiety and depression. During those experiences, she realized that I don't really want to do this, but I was kind of forced into surgery because my family was like, you're the golden child. You're super smart. You're going to do surgery. So she actually had a paradigm shift and she said, this isn't me. I didn't want to do this. And so she switched and went into outpatient small procedures, which she loves. And she works with a different group now. We could have given her an SSRI, which probably could have muted that anxiety of that job. And so now we muted her body's response saying, hey, I don't want to be here. And she probably would have been stuck in that job for a lot longer because she wouldn't have had the courage to move out. And that's the difference that I see. Shouldn't that be first before we put her on a SSRI or SNRI? Absolutely. The key is this is the thing with ketamine and psychedelics. It needs to be set up in a therapeutic environment. That's the part that's going to drive the equation. Even with the patented Spravato medication, if you're just doing that in the doctor's office, a nasal spray, and then you're leaving, I still feel like you're missing part of that medication. Yeah. You're leaning on the medication to change you and not the processing part. And that's what I try to be very clear with my clients is ketamine's a tool. Don't lean on it. Lean on yourself, but have all your therapy and everything around you so you can make these changes with the medication. So it sounds like it's important to have someone to talk to after these experiences to process what you've just experienced, to process any emotions or occurrences that seem to surface during any psychedelic sessions. So I recommend a coach, a therapist, or shaman, that someone that you work with on a regular basis that can help you navigate these encounters. Absolutely. And the hardest navigation or the hardest event to navigate as far as like a psychedelic experience that I'm finding is not when the client has an experience because either they have an experience and it was really cathartic. It could be challenging. Those aren't really the hardest ones. The one that the clients have the hardest with is when nothing happens right? or very little. They didn't get that epiphany and then they get frustrated and they're like, maybe I'm doing it wrong. It doesn't work with me because I'm not good enough. They start having those thought patterns. You need a therapist to push you through that and have a different way to look at it. One of the things that I tell clients who have no experience is to remember that the brain has a self-protective mechanism built into it. So if your brain feels like it's not in a place to experience something profound or cathartic, you may have a nothing happened experience. And that's okay. Perhaps that is what your mind and body needed at that time. And it's important to walk with that and get through that. What advice do you give your clients when they go through the nothing happened experience? 
usually the ironic thing is when they feel like nothing happened, we start talking about the experience and you find little, I call them nuggets of wisdom where you're like, oh, well, I did have this thought. And then we start pulling apart that thought or that feeling. And there is something there. And a lot of clients will be like, you know, maybe I did have a better experience than I thought. Maybe more came up than I thought. But if they don't have that person to kind of point that out, that objective outside person, you don't see it because we're in our stuff. Right. We're in our stuff and we can't see it. So we need that person to kind of bring it to the surface and say, well, you told me about this feeling. Tell me more about that. And then, you know, then you go down the rabbit hole and you can find things that it's connected to past traumas or attachment styles or stuff like that. So it's important to work with a therapist or a life coach to have someone outside of the box that can give you more perspective. Now, there's a lot of people that are the diehards and they're like, it has to be a therapist. It can't be a coach. It can't be a shaman. This is my opinion. And I want to make sure this is a true, like, I don't want people writing in. My opinion is you need somebody that's supportive and that you trust their advice and you trust that they're not going to take advantage of your experience. And the key is you want somebody supportive because you don't want somebody naysaying your experience. Oh, you were on drugs. You were just high. That didn't really happen. It's an experience. Perception and what we feel is reality, right? That's all we have is experiences. I think even Einstein said that, right? Yeah. All we have in this world is experiences. So you want somebody that's not going to placate that or downplay that. The rest is kind of up to you, whether it needs to be a therapist, a coach, or a shaman. I think everybody's different, really. Yeah. Okay. So I have another question for you. What do you think happens differently with psychedelics that doesn't happen with traditional medication? What do you think it is that contributes to the healing with psychedelics? That is a really good question. Like we talked on the one podcast, is it the dissociation? I don't know. I mean, I know there's a link between mystical experience and probably better outcomes, yeah. right? I just know that intuitively. I see it. I think when you use the term psychedelic, usually the people try to set the whole stage. So they try to get a nice set and setting ahead of time. So I think that influences it. The fact of like, if I'm going to do a ketamine treatment and I put a whole Saturday to myself, right? And I say, this day is about me and healing. Even if I didn't have the ketamine, that's going to move the needle. So there's a lot of soft variables that is so important around psychedelics. Set and setting, putting time into that and thinking about that putting time into your day, like I'm, I'm checking out for these hours because it's about me. Just that statement in itself is important. And then I have somebody that's going to support me. Just that feeling that somebody's got my back, somebody's watching me, is probably going to move the needle as well. Right. So I think it's all of it. It's not one piece. It's not the medication, right? And that's what I think is changing in psychiatry is that we're realizing, man, Mental health is so complex. It's not just one little thing. It's not just serotonin deficiency, right. right? That theory has been thrown out. It's all these variables. Okay. So it sounds like perhaps maybe SSRIs were very unilateral in their approach with the serotonin hypothesis, which, like you said, has kind of been thrown out. Depression, anxiety, PTSD seem to be caused by a variety of genetic, environmental, nature, and nurture factors, and not just a lack of serotonin in the brain. And it would make sense that a multi-approach would be more effective 
for something like you said as complicated as depression anxiety and trauma and i think there's definitely something to be said about making that time and having the mindset setting like you said setting those few hours aside for yourself i think even just thinking about that and planning that can lead to positive changes in in your behavior and mental health yeah you're prioritizing your mental health you basically told yourself that i'm important and I'm going to do this for myself. And that statement right there will move the needle. Right. And then there's also something to be said about neuroplasticity, where it's thought that neuroplasticity is when we develop new connections in our brain between brain cells. And it's thought that psychedelics actually lead to neuroplasticity. And it could be. I do agree that we need more research on this, on dissociation and having mystical experiences. But the thought leaders in the psychedelic world, and that's what they say, is having those mystical experiences, feeling connected, feeling unity, internal unity, unity with the web of life, definitely contributes to positive impacts in your mental health. It's all connected. And if you feel connected, you feel like you're part of something, that's going to just make you feel better downstream. You want to talk about this research study a little bit? It compared two groups, one taking psilocybin and one taking Lexapro. I thought the results were pretty interesting. They were really interesting, in my opinion, because I'm an advocate for different modalities for mental health. So this took psilocybin, magic mushrooms, the active ingredient that makes you hallucinate, and compared it versus Lexapro, the typical first medication SSRI that we prescribe. Yeah. And what was interesting is psychedelics didn't blow the serotonin SSRIs out of the water. They were a little bit better. But was what was interesting to me is that there was really no side effects to the psilocybin. Yeah. I think the study said the psilocybin seemed to be more tolerable than the SSRI. And what you have to take into account is that the SSRI, the Lexapro, was taken on a daily basis, whereas the psilocybin was only taken three times during the six-week period. Correct. And so you got to think about that. The people that are against the study and they're like, well, you didn't give Lexapro long enough time to help the individual. That argument doesn't make sense to me. You're saying I can take a psilocybin tablet and have an outcome pretty soon or I can wait six to eight weeks to see if something's working. Just that argument on itself is kind of like, well, why would you go towards the psilocybin? Exactly. And then you don't do psilocybin forever. You do it maybe three, four times. Lexapro, once you get on it, you stay on it. I mean, a lot of the research says you need to stay on it for a year, 12 months to 18 months. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then, and then I got to titrate you off of it. Right. Right? And, and then you have to deal with the withdrawal of coming off of it and the possible mood changes when you're trying to come off of it. Yeah, rebound anxiety. Psilocybin in this study didn't seem to be associated with any overt physical side effects. Correct, and you take it in a shorter time. Now, the, the one thing that the study didn't really talk about was the feeling of connectedness that the psilocybin people got Yeah. versus the Lexapro. Nobody took the Lexapro and said, I feel like I'm connected to the universe. Right? right. They were just kind of like, yeah, I'm less anxious. I'm more muted. The psilocybin, they were like, I feel connected. I feel like I'm part of something. I feel like, you know, we each got each other's back. 
a different experience. Yeah, and I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier about you know the thought leaders in the psychedelic world. I think I think there's definitely a lot of weight in feeling connected to people and to the universe and to the world in general. There's there's something about that experiencing that web of life and unity that contributes to having your mindset in a better place and receiving things in in perspective, not getting caught up in in your everyday anxieties. So to boil it down, I think this research study, if you look at it, it kind of is more favorable to psilocybin. Like you look at the pros and cons and you kind of look at it as a whole picture. If we didn't have the negative stigma of psilocybin and psychedelics that were set because of alternative motives and we'll do a whole nother podcast on that why we yeah. why it's schedule one <laughs> medication when it has no side effects the er visits you can look at the statistics in the united states and europe er visits for psilocybin is pretty much nil right. where you look at alcohol it's like nine thousand million. That number is not accurate obviously but it's <laughs> a lot more i gotta be careful what yes, i say we know it's what you're a saying. lot a lot more detrimental to our well-being than psilocybin but because of politics yeah that got banned and so if this was a new medication if psilocybin was a new medication with no stereotype behind it we would hands down say this is the one we want right right, right. if you compared apples to apples you'd be like look i'm doing this one it works immediately no side effects i don't have to take it forever i feel connected to the universe i feel loved yeah, challenging things might come up, but then it gives me an opportunity to work through them with a, with a good support network. Hands down, you would choose that one. You wouldn't yeah. choose the the Lexapro. But because the paradigm we live in, it's presented as it's super scary. Right. And my hope is that that paradigm is now shifting and we are moving to a better approach in psychiatry. S-ketamine has been FDA approved for depression we're using ketamine off-label to, to treat various mental health conditions. MDMA should be coming through with an FDA indication later this year. And it's thought psilocybin should get an FDA approval within the next couple of years as well. I do think things are changing and starting to move in the right direction. I think so too. I think it really is. My fear though, and I want to be transparent about this, is I don't like the advertisement that Psilocybin is like 10,000 hours of therapy in, in one hour, right? You see right. These, these companies that are trying to say that ketamine, psilocybin, MDMA, LSD, all these psychedelics are the new cure and it's super perfect. I, I don't want the pendulum to go that far. Right, right. Right. I, I, I think want psychedelic treatment is, is going to be very individualized treatment approach, unlike SSRIs where it was the same dose same frequency of seeing the client, no matter how old the client is or what's going on with them. I think with psychedelics, the dose can change depending on the client. The frequency of sessions changes based on the client. So, and I think this is a good thing. I think this is great because we get to work with our clients individually and provide them with what's needed for their recovery. One size does not fit all. And that's what I like about. I like that. And I like that about ketamine specifically because you could have somebody that takes oral ketamine and there's different ways to take oral ketamine. Some people have you hold it and spit it out. Some people have you hold it and swallow it. Then they both slightly are different. As ketamine is a nasal spray. 
Yeah. Now they have IVs, IM injections. Yeah, it, it can be taken in all kinds of ways. Yeah. So I think with the various treatment approaches, more clients will see success in, in this treatment. The main thing is supportive environment around the ketamine. Absolutely. Having that set your mindset in a good place, having that setting, intentions, someone there to support you, making that time to work on your healing, like you said earlier. I think all of those contribute to a more successful healing journey with psychedelics. Now, the population we're talking about, I want to be clear on this, is adults, 18 and above. I don't necessarily think, and this opinion could change a mind, but think that psychedelics are appropriate for juveniles. There is mild research that says that it can actually make them unstable a little bit. And that could be too set and setting because if they're doing it on their own and they don't have set and setting and they don't have somebody to go to and they don't have the support structure, it could unwind them. So I want to be very clear yeah. when we're talking about this, it's an adult population that's responsible and have good resources around them. Yeah. I don't think medicine has typically been a little conservative when it comes to children, you know, people uh, below the age of 18. We generally like to try stuff on adults first. And if it's appropriate, they may later do more research on your approach with children and adolescents. But until that research comes out, and I would advise the same, that it's, you know, not for the developing brain quite yet. Well, thank you for joining us today on our talk about how psychiatry is changing. We welcome you to share your experiences with us. What do you think? Is psychiatry changing for better or for worse? And connect with us and let us know what you think is going on. Once again, thank you for listening to our podcast. And those of you that have taken time to leave reviews and contact us through Instagram, thank you. You can see the show notes at stuckbrainpodcast.com. You can also visit us on Instagram at stuckbrainpodcast, and you can leave what topics you want to hear next.